Hello, Siobhan Hunt here, host of Feed, Play, Love. What a year it's been. I'm taking a few weeks off. Before we get stuck into 2022, I'll have some more great interviews to help you grow and thrive as the care of small humans from January 10. While I put my feet up, I've selected some of my favourite interviews from 2021. This next one is with Maggie Dent. Everyone needs a bit of Maggie in their lives. She's warm, funny and full of heart. In this interview, she's talking about boys and toy guns. Enjoy. Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Ever since my son could pick up and hold things in his hands, he's wanted guns. Guns, swords, bows and arrows. He's six now, and just recently he tried to convince me he needed a practice axe, the kind that adults use in martial arts training. Needless to say, I didn't order the axe. He does, however, own several Nerf guns and a junior bow and arrow kit. So should we be worried about boys and guns? Does it point towards a tendency to violence? Because if it does, I'm in big trouble. Maggie Dent is a parenting educator, author and host of Parental As Anything. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. And you only have one son. Yes, I know. I was going to say, you raised four boys. Did they have toy guns growing up? Well, it was interesting. And I know that often I talk to mums and I had that sense that I'm not going to buy them guns just because I wanted to raise, you know, sweet, beautiful, responsible young lads. Um, and, of course, it didn't take all that long. You know, I, I don't know, around two or three or something. Um, sure enough, they were making it out of their Lego and their toast <laughs> and their sometimes tried to shoot people with their penis. So I realised <laughs> I realized there was something kind of going on that, that um, you know, I needed to pay attention to. And I think there's one thing we need to understand in that, that some of the things that make our girls and boys a little bit different, and remember in, we absolutely are in a very gender-fluid understanding that this is not all boys, it is a significant number but not all, um, and that there is this archetype kind of thing that comes into the boys world whether it's on the dna it's not conditioned because you didn't do anything to encourage that um i'm sure you didn't and that is that um there is a biological wiring for men to be the protectors and defenders of the more vulnerable in their um in their communities and that is women and children tending to be so that little kind of whatever it is is starting to play out when boys want to play with what we call weapons anything that's about holding power and if you listen to them often they create pretend play about killing baddies to save goodies so we actually know that there's an archetype in there that is has actually got value that's been around since time began however what we also know is that we don't need to be encouraging it as to real play versus pretend play okay does that make sense so you mean we're not saying we don't say go go stab your sister with that knife. No, no. So what we basically, the other side around it, and it's these boundaries, is that when we want them, they want to do this sort of play. And remember, some girls do do this sort of play. I was right there with my brothers. And that is that it's not about shooting people. We never aim to be shooting people or killing people. 
it's the imaginary world we're able to be looking like we want to annihilate. So that's a different space. So that's the pretend play notion of it. Secondly, if we're doing a, this sort of play and it's frightening other children, then we need to have a very serious boundary around that. You can play that if you like, long as nobody gets hurt and you don't frighten people. So that's the other side to it. We really do need to have that. And then in those quiet moments, you know, around bath time, we do have conversations about that there are there are people in the world that use weapons to hurt others so that we're actually really deconstructing what it is in the real world because they will hear about shootings because, you know, the news is on sometimes. So rather than like make our kids bad and evil and let's not even mention the word gun in our house, let's talk about this is kind of a normal part of often childhood that's not going to cause any boy to grow up to be a violent man. However, we need to make them mindful of those basic rules. Whatever you do, try not to hurt yourself, try not to hurt anyone else and try not to damage the world around you. And is that, I was going to ask you whether there was any toxic masculinity in that kind of play, but what you're saying is it's up to us to put the boundaries in and to guide them so that it doesn't become toxic? Yeah, it is it's kind of that, but also what is also going on in their mainstream world? So one of the other things that I had was I'm a farmer's daughter and we definitely had rifles to kill foxes and sometimes, sadly, rabbits, which sounds awful, but at the same time, that's what you need to do on a a farming property. So where there is a need for a weapon that is for protection or even survival, our our kids need to have that conversation, obviously not as a two-year-old, but down the track that there is a place you know, where Mm. sometimes this is why, you know, growing ups may use weapons. But I wouldn't go into the war bit because seriously they will figure out via their gaming um, world that, Mm. you know, that that killing of others and winning at all costs is all, that's another whole layer. But we're talking about young boys in their early play, particularly around guns. And, I mean, I notice with my son, like he he will put his hands on any weapon he loves any kind of weapon but he doesn't have a violent bone in his body you know if anything it's his sister that beats him up not the other way around (laughs) is there any connection between toy guns and aggression or violence in boys no look I really had another look around before I was having this chat with you and there isn't there isn't a there's actually not a lot of research in the area but what you know, what is out there is basically that reassurance that, yes, of course, parents get worried. They really get worried that that is exactly what's going to happen. But what the research tends to suggest, if you have a child who has problems with a a lack of empathy, then they might use anything to hurt other children. So it won't just, they will jump on them, they will hit them, they will punch them, they will bite them, they'll do all sorts of other things. And yes, they will often use weapons to hit and hurt. Um, And so that's, again, there's not really a significant connection between it because it's been happening since kind of time began. When we talk about toxic masculinity, as you mentioned, we all want to raise our boys to be empathetic and be good men, right? So are there any signs in young boys that they might be heading towards a more damaging ideal of masculinity, whether it's what they choose to play with or dress or or their behaviour? Are there any signs that we can tell, hold on a second, that's not quite where I want my boy to go? Okay, well, the first thing I want to say is that I don't really believe that there is such a thing as toxic masculinity, whereas the gender is is toxic. 
I believe that within both our genders, we can have people who are toxic and um, who can behave in ways that are really not what we would like our kids to behave. So let's be. Um, but what we do know is that there's no question that um, yet some personality types can take some time to learn. And you know, I talk about roosters and have done with you before that the rooster personalities, both girls and boys, often have a heightened sense of their own importance and actually really feel they want power. And you can have really big power struggles with these children quite young. Now, when that power, that hunger for power translates into aggressive behaviour, that becomes more habitual, Mm. then we really do have to step in and work around ways that we're able to give them other habits with which to feel powerful that do not hurt other children. And I've spoken a lot about, um, you know, that we have to, What? how else can I build empathy into a child who doesn't have it? You've heard me talk about I really think they need to be able to get a guinea pig or um, something very mm. small because if you don't know how to treat something gently when you're eight or nine and you have been in that, you know, I'm I'm the best, I, I demand respect, I'm in power, you can be heading in the direction of the boy that turns into an aggressive adolescent boy and further on. But what we also know, Siobhan, is that children who have experienced significant physical violence or abuse, Mm. often that channels into their play and often that's not the child's fault. But, again, that's sort of one of those red flags where we'd love, you know, to be able to get some sort of guidance around how do I help with that Because Mm. essentially our children do model themselves on parents. And I'm sure, you know, I had a bit of a worry really because, you know, my boys were forever, you know, making those guys, oh, my gosh, the sticks that were the swords. In the end I did buy plastic swords because it was right around He-Man time and things like that. And I thought, no, look, seriously, a long stick, it's got far more chance of poking eyes out than the plastic sword. So we would have had eight or ten plastic swords. It looked, <laughs> you might have walked in thinking, well, this is a strange house because they really didn't hurt very much and they tended to resort to them. They did other strange things with them as well. So their pretend play took that into another direction. And then the gun play, I actually never bought them a gun that looked like a gun, but mm. we had a lot of what do you call the water bazookas and things like that. Like I, I believed yeah. in that. I thought that was a lot of fun because I was often the worst one out there doing it. <laughs> so, again, I kind of felt like even though, you know, I was really mindful. I had four sons. I wanted to raise them not to become, you know, horribly violent men. But there were things within it that I needed to fit. And I think every family has their own value system around this. But one of the things I did read online is when you deny it completely, like, no, there's no weapon play in this house. We do not do that. We're nice and kind all the time. We may be messing up with some of those archetypal things that allow boys and men to feel they need to protect us and that can then push it underground and then that child may, away from the home, be overzealous in the play in the early childhood setting or in the school setting. So, in other words, it's better in your home that you're exploring this sort of play, this pretend play, rather than just denying it point blank. It's so interesting um, that part you said about, you know, if you notice your child might lack empathy, then perhaps, you know, this sense of power, you can channel it into another area. 
you mentioned the guinea pig as one way of kind of teaching a child about how to be gentle and look after something smaller than itself. Do you have any other practical examples of if a parent notices their child, boy or girl, is behaving in a kind of an aggressive way, do you have any other practical examples of what they can do to try and bring them back to being a bit calmer? Right. What the research shows really clearly is that the more connected in a warm, loving relationship that children feel with their key caregivers, the less likely they make they behave in that way to start with. In other words, we often find that aggressive behaviour is triggered by that amygdala <clears throat> and sometimes it's because of irrational jealousy in the family or I'm, I just don't feel I'm loved enough, not that they actually can word that. But disconnection mm. often drives that sort of behaviour. So what are we also modelling in our home? So that was a really big one because I, um, I, I was very much the rub the head, twit on their foot, sit on them at times, um, grab them in bear <laughs> hugs. And I didn't actually, I just, that was just what my dad had done in our family. But what mm. you actually can feel when you do that, you get a big dose of endorphins of connection. And it's those doses, you know, the more that our child feels loved and connected, then the less need they have to demand it in a, in a less positive way. But I did have a, a set of books that were very much about exploring those things in picture book forms. And we have got masses of fabulous picture books nowadays. And on my website, I've got a couple of um, top lists and one of them is on how to build empathy in children and kindness. So I think if, as soon as you start to notice that, we start using um, the imaginary world or pictures and stories and let them be what we talk about so that we bring it into the into the world. And the other really good one is through puppets or playing with the toys. So we know that children use play to make sense of the grown-up world, but when we use their toys in a way, we can also save you getting the guinea pig because uh, <laughs> it could die and that's a whole good lesson I'd like children to have as well about death, but that's another topic. Does that make sense? So there are lots of small ways rather than just sitting them down, giving them a full-born lecture, which is probably beyond them anyway because they're not sure. Remember, most children's behaviour is quite impulsive and not planned. So when we make them wrong for making an impulsive choice, and sometimes that's jumping on their brother from the top bunk, which they thought would be fun, but (laughs) mum sees quite differently. You know, we nearly need to get underneath that. Was there a really genuine intention to hurt? Um, and the, when when we do find that's happening, there will be something underneath that that is driving big, ugly feelings that are needing to be expressed in a physical and often, you know, aggressive kind of way. Yeah. Maggie, it's always such a delight to speak with you. Thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you, Siobhan. That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator, author, and host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.